Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, hello, Miss Helen. Hello, Miss Elsie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Normal. you. You are not Jessica. You are no, not Jessica. No, I'm sorry. It, it's all right. We we just heard from her. So this week's episode has a new co-host, fantastic guest with lots of genius, Miss Helen Zaltz. Genius, that's me. Oh, yes. That's you. Oh, yes. Woo-hoo. That is writing so. a check I may not be able to cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got to tell you that. Um, just to get back really quickly into what you do, and and one of my favorite things that you do is Sound Women. Oh, thank you. Um, that podcast is just—it's just so great, you know. Because we, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about um, just podcasting and how amazing it is as a as a mm. basically as your business, as your passion, as your way to step into the world and take it over. <laughs> and I, you know, the fact that you have that there's a podcast focusing on women. Doing audio professionally, I think it's brilliant. Well, it's like, I'm so happy you you found it because I thought oh, it's going to be of interest to not that many people because it's so much about the British radio scene. Because mm. Sound Women um, is a lobby group that was born about three or so years ago to protest the fact that British radio is so male dominated, and they did oh. some research and I think they found that only one in five on air voices is female in British radio. Which is so, so depressing. And even behind the scenes, the statistics are not that good. And people drop out around the age of 35. I think they just think, I can't be bothered anymore to try and scale this cliff face. Uh, So, uh, yeah, Yeah. so they're trying to make that better. And I thought, well, why not make a podcast showing how how great these women that work in British radio are by talking to them? yeah, I mean it's 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 really phenomenal and I the other thing that's really intriguing about the whole concept is that if you listen to their work, you know, it's very professional. Yes. <laughs> so it's, you know, I mean it's it's very professional, it's very polished, yeah. it's very like news, it's kind proper, of like what isn't you would it? imagine. It's proper, exactly. But then when you talk with them, it's so not. It's so not at, at all like it i don't even know if there's another way to say that they're, they're, sort of like, yeah, you, they're, they're normal people exactly <laughs> they're interesting human beings a lot of them talk for a living producers hate being interviewed by me because they're such perfectionists uh. and they're used to being behind the scenes controlling everything silently and so to be in front of the mic they get really daunted they they, they think they're terrible and they're usually really interesting but they they, they are they hate well. that exposure I love it. I love yeah. hearing from them. I love people's jobs that you don't even know are jobs behind the scenes. Um, yeah, and that's exactly one of the reasons that I think I fell in love with it as, as well because there are so many layers to creating audio that I feel, especially with us, like stepping into podcasting in this um, in this way, especially with a lot of new people mm. doing it, that at this moment we are at the level of here's the microphone, let's get the audio into the computer, let's put the computer out, <laughs> like computer audio yeah. out into the world. You That's know? basically it. 
Yeah, exactly. And I and the, absolutely that is it. But there are so many different layers to it that I feel a lot of us don't even know. Particularly with the kind of work that you're doing, like how long does it take for um, like a product like a production of a show? Do you generally do some prep beforehand, or is it really just really simple like bullet points with sound women? Um, uh-huh. I, yes. I, I tend to go more for bullet points. I like to go into an interview with some questions at least sketched out because I think that's respectful to go in with yes. some preparation. But I just like talking to people. I like to get them into yeah. a genuine conversation rather than just, you know, doing a press release with them. And um, and once you're rolling, you can just ask people what they seem willing to volunteer. I've had this weird thing actually throughout my life that people have just told me stuff. So <laughs> when I was 17, <laughs> I was working in a secondhand bookshop and people would just come in and, and tell me their whole life stories. And there's this old woman who was telling me how much she hated her children. And then she was saying, oh, oh my. you've just got one of those faces that people tell things to. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, but it, it, I am interested as well. I just want people to tell me about their jobs and their lives and things that they're interested in. And, and usually if you go in with that attitude, uh, you, you get interesting stuff out. So it feels like a very low energy way to to make a show. Um, and And also... I've been pretty lucky. I think I've liked everybody that I've interviewed and that really helps. And none of them have been terrible at talking, which you you would certainly hope with the on-air people that they could talk. Um, but <laughs> but my problem is I've, I've recently handed over the production to um, uh, a couple of other people because I was doing it all by myself. Uh-huh. And I don't really have the imagination of a producer thinking, all right, well, this month, what story are we going to tell and, and who are we going to get on that has an interesting new voice, etc. cetera. Um, so that, I, that is something I need to learn more about. Oh, I see. Mm. And so how do you go back and forth? Are you putting the show together? Because I really love the back and forth of the different voices that you also give voice to. <laughs> oh, oh, good. <laughs> so like, you know, the, the main interview and then you have another interview like with the, with the producers of certain parts of it or the your producer or, you know, all those different levels. Who who sets that up? Like when you move from one thing to the next? Um, well, often it depends on what material has arrived on time. Because mm. we get a lot of people saying, oh, I'd love to do something for the show, and then they never deliver it. There was someone oh, who was right. making a package for a year that that was five minutes long. And I was like, you're definitely spending too much time on this whenever she'd email me going, I just need a few more weeks. It's like, you oh, don't gosh. really. It's just better to get it done, even if it's not absolutely buff to a high shine. It's just better to get it out because it's not, it's just not that difficult. It's okay. Yeah. It's just not that difficult. Just do it. Um, but uh, now that I'm thinking about it consciously, <laughs> I don't know what to tell yeah. you because it's quite shambolic behind, behind the scenes. It doesn't feel like there's as much method to it as there might be. Um, well, I, I love that. I love oh, that because it gives me hope. No, <laughs> what are you hoping, Elsie? Well, well, I was just thinking, you know, because there's so many different layers, like all of these newer shows or like storytelling shows that you hear out there, the professionally produced shows, that it seems like there's so much extra stuff that goes into yes. it, you know, like oh, in, in levels of research and how to like fact checking. Because I was looking back at, we, we're going to discuss some of this, actually, maybe this is a really good way to kind of move Why not? Um, you know, we were looking at... Uh, Cereal, mm. you know, because one of the biggest news right when we are um, recording this, uh, it's probably going to be old news once this comes out. But cereal did break some records. It's you know, they, they got a ton of a gazillion million, well, five million downloads uh, as around now, like in the in the smallest amount of time, and they've started to ask for funding mm. for for podcasters or for their podcast. They were sort of uh, supported by This American Life at the beginning. 
And it seems that they are moving towards being more independent is what I kind of gather. It was like mm. daddy was going to support them for the first year. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're on their own. <laughs> so it seemed like it. And, uh, you know, at the end of every serial episode, uh, Sarah Koenig, who is a producer, names, I think, at least five people. Uh, all, mm. you know, she mentions a musician. She mentions a, the fact checker. She mentions, like, I forgot what the other ones are. So there's some Julie, interns maybe that she has. Yeah, Julie Snyder uh, yeah. producing. There's Dana that goes with her on some of the missions. And there's someone else as well. So, yeah, there are probably about seven of them altogether. Yeah. And so my, my thought was, like, how, like, how long does it take to produce a show like who's doing what like that's the kind of conversation that i'm really interested yes. in, in in thinking out and how much is that worth mm. you know what mm. i mean like both in terms of your time and in terms of money like how much is it somebody who's going to be ch fat checking your stuff worth how much is somebody who's going to be by your side to kind of like bounce ideas off of to be let's say you had somebody with you when you were doing your recordings and they were in the process able to say hey helen how about asking you know x y and z because that wasn't very clear yeah or, i've got someone about, feeding me lines right now yeah the whole team <laughs> oh my god how much do you pay them no. <laughs> nothing <laughs> they're lucky to be here yeah right oh gosh yeah but that's an interesting point because if she was making it for tv you wouldn't even question yeah. that it cost a lot of money to make and there'd probably be a team of like a small tv show has about 40 people working on it and this yeah. would probably be bigger than that but because it's a podcast and people are used to doing them on a tiny budget if any budget at all um maybe that's why why there is the doubt um however i i i i understand why they have gone for this because they're trying to set up a, a pool of money for series two and it's clever to do it now when the show has got so much heat behind it and so much attention but i've yes. noticed like some other podcasts i know um have said well they're getting this mail chip money and the amount that they're getting if they if they've got a million listeners per episode and they're probably getting the highest cpm possible because it comes out of this american life and there was a guaranteed audience from the beginning they're probably making $40,000 a show from MailChimp alone. I think they had Audible or Squarespace as well on top of that. Um, what, can they really not make the show on 400, 500 grand a year? Um, which right. is also a reasonable question. But then on the other hand, you think there's bandwidth and there's WBEZ and, and all these ways that the money could be getting dispersed. But maybe it's just opportunity. They think, well, let's see if people who uh, seem to be obsessed with this show are willing to cough up for future shows. It's a privileged position yeah. to be in that they can take advantage of. Absolutely, and I, it, but I, but but in in reality, we don't really exactly know how much money they're making because I do know for startup, um, mm. the mention of the the mention that it was six thousand dollars for Mailchimp per episode mm -hmm. is what um, Alex Bloomberg mentioned okay. on the show. And so I'm not sure if that is a CPM model. I'm not sure if that's like. They were just getting $6,000 an episode, period. Yes. You know, meaning that it's just capped. It's, it's just what the investment was from MailChimp. Yes. Um, so I'm not sure if it's a, it's a you know, moving up depending upon... It would, it would benefit them, right? It would benefit Serial if it was a CPM model because of the numbers that they have. Yeah, they can't make that show on $6,000 an episode, realistically. They've probably spent a year right. on it, haven't they? 
Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, when did they start? Okay, so then now think about this. And I know my, my mind's just running with this stuff. But okay, <laughs> so they are trying to close up this seri- this whole story, yes. this whole trial, this whole mystery, whatever, this investigative work. But at the same time, now they're looking forward. They're looking forward to what the next story is. Mm. So who's doing that? Mm. Somebody's doing that research because Sarah has to be in it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure that I could split my focus on doing investigative work and at the same time thinking about what my next project is. It somehow would diminish, I don't know, or can you? What do you think? Well, maybe she hasn't started yet. Or maybe she thought, I can okay. probably start because Serial will be virtually finished. But she must be extremely busy on it because things keep unfurling. Now, this is the thing, Elsie. I'm curious as to what you think about the ethics of presenting Serial as something that people can contribute to because she hasn't worked out the end yet, which means people on Reddit have been trying to track down real people and try and crack the case themselves. If she'd said from the beginning, or at least indicated that she had done a finite amount of research and then she would unfurl it as she chose over the next 10 to 12 weeks, then maybe there would be less impetus for people to try and do that. And I think there's a lot of responsibility that she's taken on, which is very rare in a podcast but some quite worrying concerns for, to my mind. Uh, I, I, I do agree with you about that. It, it gave me pause, uh, really, when I saw that, because as much as, because I saw this article, I'm not sure I shared it with you. I've I read so I many. It a couple of days ago. I'm enjoying the I articles know, and the, the commentary more than I'm enjoying the show itself. I know, Weird. me too, because it's coming up. There was one article, I believe, that was focusing on the brother of Hay. Yes, Hay, yes. who is the woman who was murdered. Yes, I saw that. And, and how he commented on the Reddit saying that, you guys, this is my family. Um, you guys are thinking about this in, as a mystery, something to, you know, all of these theories that you guys have, but y- you don't know what my mom was like after she found out her daughter was found. Yes. You don't know, you know, and then so he was talking about it from the perspective of a family and how you would feel if you had millions of people discussing the death of a family member that was so violent. Um I know that, you know, one of my yoga teachers uh, years ago, she was, you know, somebody I was super, super close with. Um, She was incredibly empowering to me. And randomly, her son was uh, in a a random, I mean, really random act of violence, was shot with he and his wife and and his girlfriend. They were out camping in the mountains and they were sleeping in the back of their truck. Like it was just on the... Just in a truck, in a random mountain area, and somebody came and shot them. That's horrifying. Like in the heart. Wow. And that was, that was it. Unsolved murder, unsolved at all. Completely. There's no been no answers. Um, he was in his twenties. He was an incredible human being, of course. You know, young, strapping, strong, gorgeous. Yeah, but even if um, he was awful, and, it would be tragic. Oh yeah, but it was incredibly tra- tragic as a whole. And I remember thinking, I didn't even want to touch the subject with her. I mean, mm. it really hurt her. It re- obviously as a mother. Yeah. Can you imagine millions of people discussing? I mean, I know it still hurts her. I know when she posts a year uh, she and her uh daughter, her, you know, her the daughter that was obviously the the sister, um she uh they still have this pain and it's been years. It's been I think now like 6 years possibly. But how does that ever get better? 
Exactly. Well, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, what if then all of a sudden millions of people were talking about this as entertainment as well? The way that people are speculating as, upon exactly. it is if it's dramatized. Exactly. But I've been so uncomfortable exactly. all the way through. Now, now I've seen that there's a bit of a backlash, and that doesn't make me happy either because I think well, people should have been a bit right. more circumspect at the beginning. But from the beginning, I was like, this is being very carefully presented for my entertainment more than it feels for the investigation of the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that's a completely invalid exercise, but people do have to be aware of, of what is at stake. And the stakes are so high as well, given that there could be very legal ramifications for, for Adnan and uh, the, the emotional impact for people that knew them. And it's it's just troubling. And, and I'm not saying all of this is Sarah Koenig's fault. Um, yeah. It, but the listeners have a certain amount of responsibility, I think, with this kind of material too. Yeah, but well, this kind of brings us back, though, to a very interesting thing and back to kind of wrap it up to the whole podcasting thing as a whole. Mm. I know for myself, it's incredible the way people are so involved with me, right? Yeah. And they have been since I started podcasting, where people know me uh, or feel they know yes. me in a much deeper way because they've gotten to know me via the the pieces of audio that I put out, the classes, because a lot of p- uh, students feel that I'm their teacher, even though they've only been studying with me via audio, which is super incredible to me, right? So there is a level of intimacy, yes. which is why we move towards this medium. Yeah, it's amazing. So it's now, amazing thing about it. Absolutely. But now with this, like, what, what has been now named the Blockbuster podcast phenomenon, (laughs) if you will, there's more people that are going to be aware of podcasting as a whole. And the fact that your audience is so committed and so into you and can have a lot of influence on the people around them. What is your responsibility as a content producer? Yeah, I think in this space, I'm very excited at how, how strongly people have responded to a podcast and the fact that they they need to listen to the episode straight away because I stockpile podcasts and, and listen to them months or even years later. But I, I, even though I don't love Serial, I still want to listen to it on the day and see what other people are saying about it. And I love the fact that people are talking about it as they would a TV show. They're that excited about it. And I think that is really great for podcasting. Um, but with something like Answer Me This, um, which we make as a comedy show, we also know that we have a lot of young people listening and we... we um, we have a lot of teenagers writing to us. And although the concept of the show is people ans- ask us questions and we answer them and we can rip them to shreds if we want, we can, we can mock them um, because the objective is comedy and most people, they're into that. That's what they want when they write in. But if a teenager writes to us saying, I've been cutting myself or I've been in a mental hospital for seven months, they don't really distinguish that if that goes on the show and we give it the normal treatment, that's devastating and also really tasteless. So we just have to be really careful with questions from teenagers particularly um and questions about um underage people having sex i know that it happens obviously i've been a teenager but we can't right. really be seen to to be helping them i guess or with mm-hmm. with things that are, <laughs> are <laughs> yeah. moderately illegal um yeah and we had this really <laughs> extraordinary email a few months ago from this guy this is quite long-winded it was a huge email but there was so much incidental pointless detail in it that i thought it was probably true he was saying years ago he lived in a shared house and a lot of things went missing when they had parties. So he rigged up a motion-sensitive camera uh, so that if someone went into his room, it would the camera would capture footage of them and find out if there was a thief. And years later, he'd forgotten about it. And years later, he thought, oh, I can't find this CD. Maybe I should check the footage and see if someone stole it. Um, 
And what he saw in the footage was his fiance's best friend coming into his room and having sex with him. And he was, cause he was like, I was passed out drunk. And when I, when I'm passed out drunk, there's no waking me at all. And he said, this happened six or seven times. What do I do? We were getting married soon. And should I mention it to her? Cause I don't want to make the wedding awkward. And I was like, you know, that is rape. That your problem isn't that that's awkward at your wedding. This woman, like, why, why would she do that to her best friend? She has violated you sexually. And then he'd written in this kind of, oh, don't know what to do. Comedy tone. Odd, isn't it? Oh, my I know. God. People are so candid about their lives because they're, 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 I think they're, they feel like we're receptive because we invite them to get in touch with us, but also we're kind of blank slate so they can just project what they want as the, the recipient of the, of this material. Holy cow. How did you handle that? Did you address that or did you just email them back? I, I put it on our website saying, look, look read is this the kind of stuff we sometimes get and it's so extraordinary that i think i want to share it with you but i don't think it's funny and this is what i would right. suggest you do and I, I also added some links to uh to uh charities that deal with um sexual assault against men specifically and so on and i i emailed him back as well going uh this these are, you should go to the police because you have actual video footage of a, a, a sex crime happening which never they never get video footage they don't and the prosecution rates are so bad anyway. It felt quite important that we'd actually pursue it, but I never heard back from him. Um, oh, wow. So That's pretty crazy. That's just insane stuff. And just to get back sorry, really quick. Sorry, it was a big digression. No, no, I know. No, but answer me this because this is your other podcast. I just want to make sure people kind of get that too. Yes. Answer me this is something that you've been doing now for, what, seven years? It's nearly is eight it? years. Is that right? January, January the 2nd, it will be the uh, eighth birthday. Ooh, that's awesome. Is it? So you <laughs> started nice? that from like a friend just asked you to start, yeah. one of your friends. I had no and you idea. had no idea what no you were diving idea. into. No, I, hadn't, and I, so... really, I didn't really know what podcasts were. I, I'd only listened to one, which was a cut down radio show. Uh, yeah, absolutely clueless. Yeah. And so this, so the podcast, the reason that you got this sort of in quotes question is because the whole premise of your podcast is that you answer yes. <laughs> questions. Yeah, exactly. People. Yeah. It's a, it's a, but, a mil- yes. lots of different subjects covered. And at the beginning, we just thought, well, it'd be nice if someone else supplies the backbone of what we're going to talk about. So we don't have to think about it ourselves. But also we didn't realize at the time, cause I wasn't on Facebook then. I don't think Twitter was open for business that there would be this kind of imperative of sharing with people and interacting with the public. It's just quite serendipitous that that was in the show from the beginning. Yeah, that's pretty amazing stuff. But this also brings us back to the responsibility that we have as producers, um, as content creators mm. in in the world of that we are, and we and Jessica and I have, have spoken about this in the past, that we are now sort of like the new journalists. We are now the ones that are guiding the narrative to some degree (laughs) i know right so then if you think about it from that perspective there's just i know know. it's there's so much that's tied up to what we put out into the world that is above and beyond you know packing up your interview shows and you know seeing how you can sell them and make money you know what i mean yes (laughs) there's an inherent power that comes from the conversations that you're having out in the world there yeah so and i think it's so wonderful how passionate podcast listeners are when they find a show that they like i suppose because it's still a bit of a, a an issue people getting podcasts it's not that straightforward and it's hard to just stumble across one and listen to it you have to make quite a concerted effort um so once they're in they're really in um and yeah i feel responsibility as well to bring the show out regularly 
and um because otherwise i think people would be annoyed if they thought well i'm into this thing now and i expect to get it every two weeks so where is it this uh on this day when i'm expecting to get it so minor things like that i think content wise i've not made a show that has significant journalistic impact where it would matter if we got something hugely wrong mm-hmm. we try not to libel people obviously um or cause right. unnecessary pain but um other people make shows and i think wow i'm kind of relieved that i haven't set myself up to do anything as lofty as as you do because uh it's it'd be like having a real job yeah right i mean there's something about there's something about the lightness of the whole thing as well it's just that i'm I'm having like this push-pull thing just mm. because of the serial thing mm. and and the fact that 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 you do have that much power over people having these discussions because the narrative now, especially for the serial thing about um, you know Adnan or or Hayes murder or even Jay, mm. is now it's impacting their lives. I mean, people are talking about this that people that don't even know about. There's a certain level of the celebrity aspect of things that has come into now their lives that they never really asked for, and they're only kind of getting the backlash of it because. I don't know. Well, there is no real dream yeah. scenario unless we really did find out the truth and we really did find out what happened. Yeah, but the chances um, which, are so small, aren't they, of getting a yes. decent answer one way or another? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so... I wonder if people have know, gone after just... Jay because they know his full name now because that's on documents related to the case, even though she didn't include it in the podcast. Yeah, I don't know. There, there seems to be some something happening with that respect too, and I feel I kind of feel for the guy because mm. I mean I don't know because I you don't know if he really did have anything to do with it, and I, it's it's sort of like this. I don't know. I I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. In all honesty, yes, I don't no, know. It's fair, fair to wonder. I'm not sure, but it's not our problem, yeah. right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Phew. But. Now, coming back to the fact that, you know, um, that's like one type of podcast, right? Serial is one type of podcast. It is a highly produced podcast coming from uh, sort of like um, a parentage of professionally produced audio. Yes. uh, Which is going to send a lot more people into wanting to, to get more of these type of shows, which, you know, brings you back to the fact that how do you, how would you find another show like Serial? Um, and I'm and I'm coming at this in the, from the point that there's a lot of people that feel that there is an issue with discoverability or yes. searchability in terms of podcasts. I, that yeah. this is a challenge. I absolutely agree, and I think it, particularly since things switched from desktop to mobile, because when most people were using desktop iTunes, you had this page with 200 thumbnails on in front of you, and you could just go exploring. And on mobile, you've just got a tiny little page, and it doesn't necessarily throw up things that you're not expecting. So you kind of have to know what you're looking for rather than have the the serendipity so um i think ever since i think now about 20 percent of people use desktop itunes and it used to be used to be much much higher um so i think there's a lot of room for somebody to invent like a netflix recommendation system for podcasts and in fact Maybe Apple bought a company quite recently with the idea of doing that, or maybe I'm just being optimistic. No, you you did, you did, you did, you did. It was an app. That was, yes. um, I forgot the name yes. of it. In fact, I think I might still have it on my phone, but they no longer, you can no longer, oh, Swell. Swell. It was called Swell. It. Yes. And it when Swell uh, gave you recommendations based upon what you were consuming as well as uh, possible topics that you were interested in. Yes. 
So, which I which I completely understand. Um, my, you know, Rob, my com- co-host in the other podcast, says that there is no issue with discoverability. If you make a good podcast, people will talk about it, and that's the best way to get found. I just don't know if by... that's the case because people have still got to find it and then talk about it and recommend it to other people. How do they find it right, in the first I... place? <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, no, I, I completely, I totally agree. But see, here's here's the conundrum again for me. Which is coming, we're going to see if I can, we can talk this out a little bit. So there's been a new, well, there are, first of all, there are a bunch of directories that are, have been created for, for niche uh, podcasts. You know, the She, she Podcast has a directory as well that is just for um, either female or women and man podcasts that have a, a female host in some way too. Mm-hmm. So we do have that. And there are some other, uh, other uh, directories out there that do have um, these sort of directories, but there's been one that has just come out called marketingpodcast.com that for me, when I first saw it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way Mm. because I felt that it was kind of like a gathering again of the same marketing podcasts again. So they've already got the attention. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's how I, I felt like a first, like, oh, why did you do that? I don't like it. <laughs> and then it kind of it kind of bothered me because then it was like only for marketing and only for business podcasts. And so that kind of irked me as well. And But it was simply just because I'm seeing the same people yes. over and over again. And marketers are obviously very good at their jobs, which is probably why they're doing <laughs> what they're doing. So, so, you know, but then after kind of looking at it a little bit more, I thought, that this and, and and now distilling it and getting my own ego out of the way, I thought, what if I was really interested in? I'm picking my sort of niche, yoga. Yeah. What if I was really interested in yoga and I was not a podcast listener? I just wanted to get deeper into this practice that I've just found, and I I wanted some education on all aspects of it. The you know the poses, the philosophy, the whatever conversations with other yogis, blah blah blah. And out comes the yo- like some sort of you know website that is highlighting all kinds of yoga podcasts that do give you all of those different layers yes. in one place. And you don't even know it was a podcast, but it's this new way of consuming content that you didn't even know was there. Yes. And I thought that would be a valuable thing. That's kind of what marketing podcast is trying to do. But is it to be a hub mm. for education, for education for marketers? Is it achieving it though? That's that's the is thing. The inten- because the now intention this may be correct. Ex- but yes. But. Ex- yes. The but is what I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, because the idea is great. But so here, this is when I start to go, oh my God, I don't know. So this is something that is on um, over at, I believe this is from a... Um, this is from a, a blog called Convince and Convert, which is the founder of Convince and Convert is the founder of marketingpodcast.com. And in this blog post, he says, marketingpodcast.com is a discovery engine for marketing podcasts. We have nearly 400 podcasts in the database at lunch, launch, all of them uh, sortable in several ways, sort by podcast name, sort by host names, sort by audience approval rating, and then in parentheses, percentage of iTunes ratings that are four or five stars, sort of numbers uh, of episodes, and sort by category. So 
Let me just address those right there. So the other practice that has been getting me kind of all wound up is this review and rating exchange Mm. in between people, which is happening all the time. So what happens then is that there are actually Facebook groups that have been created to just exchange ratings and reviews. I've had people emailing me specifically going like, hey, I've just reviewed your podcast. How about you go out and and do the same thing for me? Thank you so much. Here are my links. Who are you, person? Yes. And so... But why don't they at least put in a little bit of chat first? Make you feel loved. No. No, not even. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and so so you see that now that is skewing the ratings and reviews because the people who are, in quote, the most popular or have the largest email list and are telling their, their you know, followers to please go rate and review my podcast, when they're not really listening, it's yes. just because you want to help out somebody, then that's skewing that in iTunes. And then this marketing, this directory is sorting based upon reviews and ratings that may not necessarily be honest. Well, in a way, that's the pureness of marketing rather than the content, isn't it? Ex- yeah. Uh. And so that's when I... So this is where I get a little bit kind of like I understand... I understand the concept of it. I really do. And I think that it's a valuable thing to have, particularly for people who don't listen to podcasts that would like to educate themselves in a specific industry. Mm. I I find the value. And and then it would really open up people to learn by listening. I think that's genius. But I just don't like the fact that right now there is no system where you can really still, even in that respect, find the best content. Yeah. Because... There's there are these little things that people are doing that are not okay. Well, also they could they could do things like even if they are sorting everything that way, just rotate what's on the front page pretty often. So every time you went back there, yeah. you were faced with some thumbnails of shows that you didn't already know. Um, and also, there's there's a specific thing that made me depressed about that site was I went on it and it appeared that all of the featured shows on the front page, which maybe about twenty shows, were all hosted by men. And I was like, women make yeah. podcasts too. And you might do well to remember, it's like all, all of the lists that they're always in the, the papers or online going, here's 10 podcasts you must listen to. It's all too rare, pre-serial particularly, because now they've all got serial in, but too rare that they had right. any done by women. And I, yep. I recently wrote such a list uh, for The Guardian and it was almost half female shows, even though those are minority of shows. And that was without me trying. It was without a concerted effort at all. Ugh. Yeah. So it's possible. It's just they're not doing it. No, you're you're right. I I feel that also comes into the into the scope of doing your research and not following just the rankings that come up. You know, not not following. Oh, this looks like a good one because it's just right in your face, yes. and you just follow through, or just because you've decided not you've decided, but iTunes has basically taught people not to search for anything because it's throwing pretty pictures in your face. So you just kind of click on through something. Yeah, it's like Google to some degree. You know, you Google a search term, and if you're happy enough to either have like a really great article that has naturally risen to the top, or you have some great SEO that has naturally put your <laughs> page to come up to the top, even if your article is full of incredibleness, you still have to go, you know, two or three pages inside yeah. the search term. So I feel at this moment, we haven't taught audiences to really search. And this is an issue. It yeah. is an issue. And I think word of um, mouth is still the way that I get most podcasts, yes. even if it's not real mouths telling me. But for instance, if if there is a list of best 10 podcasts at the moment, I always look at what the commenters are recommending. And I've found some of my favorite shows that way. 
And I wouldn't normally look at what commenters say, but usually on those, they're being quite productive rather than just uh, making horrific insults at people. Um, no, you're right. I have seen that as well. I've seen I've, uh, other podcast listeners that have told me of a podcast that I need to listen to, um, a specific episode that somebody says, like, it's not even like you need to listen to this podcast. It's like, you need to listen to this episode of this podcast. And that makes me step into and start to listen to more yeah. usually. So yeah, word, word of mouth is, is a pretty powerful thing. It's just that I feel that at, it's at this too moment, small scale, still, isn't it? Yeah. It seems like that doesn't really, I don't know. There's a little bit more, but I am absolutely and super happy that this is happening. Yes. Um, no, it's all good. Around. Yeah. In, in the overall picture. But I just, I answer me this is fairly visible just because we've been doing it for so long. It felt like the market was quite crowded when we started because there were lots of BBC radio um, things crowding the um, the iTunes charts when we began. And that felt insurmountable because it's the BBC. And also right. we just make this show in my flat and we were amateurs and we knew nothing when we started, but there were fewer podcasters, podcasts around then. So it felt like we had to compete with less. And just because we, we've had a fair amount of attention from a year in to doing the show. Um, mm -hmm. And after that, it's just grown of its own accord, which means we're always quite high in the charts just because people know about it and the, they've heard the name enough. But if I was starting the same way now, not being a famous person, because in, in England, the, the podcast chart is very much dominated by comedians who are already quite well known doing their own podcasts. So if you're just a nobody uh, dumped in amongst all these celebrities, just think who's going to listen and how are people going to find it? Um, yeah. And uh, I, I want I really want more more people to do what we did and persevere and, and just keep podcasting. So I think it's such a great medium. And I love the fact that you can get all these voices that otherwise you wouldn't hear on traditional media, but I can understand why they wouldn't. Cause it just seems like such, su such a difficult thing to do. And if people aren't listening, I don't know why you would continue for, well, as long as we've continued, it would just get really depressing if you had like three listeners. Yeah, and it's, right. <laughs> it's like a, it's a, it's a labor of love. Yes. It is. But you know, there's been so like, there's huge movement to, okay, so let's, let's do with the cereal. They've, they've just started to, you know, ask for yeah. money, but it was, it had at the same time though, they've been doing fantastically well in terms of download numbers. And even if the downloads weren't so high, just the mere conversation of yes, cereal made it a success for me. Yes. Unprecedented stuff. Podcast then, devoted to the cereal podcast. That's extraordinary. That's, I know, right? <laughs> there's like, it's crazy that that's yep, happening. Yep. So, but then, but at the same time, you know, there's Gimlet Media, like mm -hmm. Alex Bloomberg's new um, uh, company that is really solely focused on storytelling podcasts as well. That was funded. Uh, they've, they've got their full funding, you know, and a lot of the funding or some part of the funding came from the listeners or came from people who wanted to step into and really invest in a company that was really just focused on creating audio content, which to me is amazing that this is happening and we have something that you are kind of involved mm. in the radiotopia uh kickstarter campaign which i i kind of want to go into because we haven't really talked about this and um you know the way that i fell into seeing this was because obviously i'm obsessed with podcasting and i do a lot of research a lot of the time and there was this um 
I think it was, I'm not even sure if it was an interview. I cannot remember exactly what it was. But it was, uh, it, it was like a teaching, uh, some kind of PowerPoint presentation, something or other, <laughs> where uh, one of the women, I believe the producer um, from Radiotopia, was interviewed. Mm. And it was Air Presents the Business of Podcasting. It was this presentation that was aired on the 23rd of October, uh, 2014. And because the title uh, was uh, The Business of Podcasting, I'm always intrigued, <laughs> very intrigued yes. by anything like that. And so I, I heard it, and I, and I became aware through that uh, about the Radiotopia thing. So the Radiotopia Kickstarter was is really basically a, kind of like a ground-up um, – what is it, like new public radio station with unique uh, creative audio content that is independent of something greater? Well, is that? It's it's an interesting one because it came it all came out of Roman Mars who makes 99% Invisible. And uh, the background yes, is that yes. two years ago, he, he was like, I need to justify the fact that I'm spending all this time making 99% away from my wife and my kids. So I'll do a Kickstarter and I'll ask for 40 grand to justify me doing the show for another year. And people gave him 170. He was like, oh my God. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, exactly. Because he was a very poorly paid public radio producer, as I believe most public radio producers are. And and he thought, oh, I want to make this show and it doesn't really pay to do it on public radio. So I might as well do it on my own time and also not get paid. So that was pretty striking. And then the next year on the subsequent Kickstarter, I think he raised nearly $380,000. And he thought, right, okay, well, I don't need all that money for myself. And I always wanted to set up a punk record label, but I'll do kind of the same thing, but with spoken word. So he wanted to make it possible for producers that he admired to be able to make their podcast full time because a lot of them, they put a lot of effort in and it's just not sustainable alongside a job. Um, So he gave them the wherewithal just to focus on making their podcast. And then they just on their third and final Kickstarter. And one of the stretch goals was to add shows made by women one of whom is me to the network <laughs> so that they've got an equal That's so awesome. I know it's amazing so they've got an equal number of shows made by men and made by women and also another stretch goal which is one I was really excited by was to have this fund so that people who don't normally get a radio voice at all can learn how to pitch and make pilots and stuff like that and learn how to produce this stuff and I thought that's great because it's so dominated as most forms of media are by straight white men and the yeah. fact that they were aware of this, even though they are mostly straight white men running the thing, um, I, I was really proud to be to be part of an organisation that was was trying to make it better for other people. And it's an amazing deal they're offering me. That it's, it's so amazing that I just think there's got to be a horrible catch. But even if they want, like, oh take God. all my organs, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so they 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 they've enabled me just next year i'll be able to be a full-time podcaster and um that can be my job and that hasn't been the case before um and i've wanted that is fantastic so fantastic and answer me this makes some money but it's not enough to live off and i've wanted to make other shows for a long time several years but i just having built up answer me this from nothing before and the amount of time it takes i just thought i can't do that again partly i just can't bring myself to do it because it was so painful before um but also I can't afford to do it because if I'm doing that and I'm doing Answer Me This, when am I going to work in order to earn enough money to live? Because I'm freelance, yep. so you spend a lot of your potential working time searching for work as well. So that's like a third of your time gone straight there. Where is the actual work going to happen? Um, so it's a remarkable thing that they've done for me. But the fact as well, it's kind of outward facing. 
I think is great. And also Roman is the one who needs Radiotopia the least. And yet he is the one that is sweating to raise money for everybody else to be able to do what they want. To no real benefit to him. Uh, it's kind of kind of crazy of him, really. Um, That's pretty it, amazing. It's really amazing. So it, I was absolutely delighted to see how people were responding to the campaign. And they seem very emotionally invested. And I think um, I saw someone writing that what you've got to offer in a Kickstarter is not a thing you're going to make, but a kind of... Uh, a feeling that people are all in this together so the audience is part of it and they'll get some kind of emotional reward for having been involved rather than you just getting the reward of being able to make your uh, you know your potato salad or your your cooler because i think a cooler was the the most funded kickstarter project ever that raised over 13 million dollars a cooler oh god a cooler yeah uh, oh my it's a cooler you know it's a cooler it's a cooler it cools things <laughs> maybe it keeps them warm if well, you also you want that there's a well there's something that i really love i participated in the kickstarter because it it does it's like there's something about the languaging of it Mm. that really appealed to me it was very much a visceral thing it's because i was seeking it already yeah i was seeking the the collective i was seeking the the storytelling aspect of it which i don't really think people quite have been they haven't seen that this isn't really happening in the podcasting space right now there's a lot of conversations like you know the type of podcast this is which is you know a conversation uh there are a lot of interview shows Mm. there aren't as many that are like this there are also you know lots of uh tutorial kind of shows you know educational shows are very very popular as well and then there's the solo show where somebody just the comedian types who really come up and and they you know these are one Wonderful shows as well because it's you know having a show solo when you just talk is is hard <laughs> I <couldn't. laughs> so, it's a very challenging thing to do and there's something about the uh community rising of this create creative process that i feel is missing and people are looking for they want more they yes. want deeper things so that's why I really love that. And I like the fact that they keep taking about, like it says, you know, if you believe in this mission, kick in another buck or two or just spread the word. Like that's so simple. Yeah. It's like if you believe in this mission, okay, you know what I mean? And then I love this paragraph that is in the Kickstarter. It says, Bring, bringing in new voices and broadening the audience are critical steps in remaking public radio. Our collective of shows is already proving that incredible talents exist in unexpected places and that we have a knack for finding it. So that gives you the dream, right? Unexpected places. Mm. I could be an unexpected place. Oh, no. What if they're selling <laughs> people the fact- false hope? <laughs> like yeah, American Idol. Oh, oh no. Well, exactly right, but but still, I mean, there's so many beautiful things, and there's so much that's going on there. I, I so did you pitch them? Did you say like this is a show I want to do? Did you already have a concept, or was it like Helen? We want to, <laughs> we want you come up with something. Well, um, so I I first um, got to know Roman a couple of years ago. I've interviewed him like three or four times. So I first knew him because I was interviewing for a radio show, and then we did we were on a South by Southwest panel together in 2013, and. Um, we've kept in touch and also things like Facebook and Twitter make you feel like you, you know someone better than you do and we both listen to each other's shows so you know feel like you're much more acquainted than you actually are and um, right. he had some uh, business to do over here and so he came and stayed with us for a week this summer and oh yeah so when he was after the last Kickstarter as in the, the penultimate Kickstarter uh, he uh, was having this 
conversation with him and he was saying oh, i want to do this thing and i'm not really sure what it is yeah i think it'll be called radiotopia would answer me this be interested and we were like yes 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 um but then they went in a more storytelling direction not to me this is not that it's a it's a fairly broad comedy show um but, but then when he was staying this summer um i i was like look there's this show i'd really like to make uh, i was walking him around the park and uh, so I just shot some ideas at him and um, he was jet lagged or something. And therefore he was quite receptive and helpless <laughs> to resist. Um, and um, he was like, let me think about it. And then like the next thing I heard, he was like, yeah, we've sorted out funding for a year. I think it's going to happen. And I was like, wow. Oh God, that's so that's great. so great. Because like, it was, it came at a very good time for me. Because I it just, like a radio show that I was on had just been cancelled. And I was like, oh God, what am I going to do next? I don't really want to do more radio because it's so, I couldn't be bothered with the sexism anymore. And I love I love uh. the tone of podcasting so much more than radio that it's actually made me stop listening to radio pretty much because I like how I like how immediate podcasting is because it's just the podcaster and the listener and there's not much between that. Um which is one of the things I like as a listener and as a creator of podcasts. Um and uh, and then he came along so it's it's ridiculous because I I've, I've been pretty terrible at building a career my entire adult life and and I've been because <laughs> I've been freelance all the whole time everything is you have to you have to hustle for everything and I was kind of out of ideas and I was so tired and I'm not good at that anyway you know some people they they're just really good at like being go-getters and I'm rubbish um and I just didn't know where I wanted to take things and the whole time I just thought oh, I'll be great if someone just uh, sorted it all out for me and just dropped an incredible opportunity into my lap and then Roman just did oh my that. god so uh, I mean I'm extremely that to is him. so perfect it's, it's amazing but and, and I was like what's in it for them really <laughs> I'm not I'm not usually self-deprecating or anything but what is in it for them um oh my yeah, god so it's so exciting and um and I really like um I liked a lot of their shows anyway and I think I would have been very excited about it even if I hadn't stood to benefit but like when they announced the the stretch goal of having this pilot program for new voices I doubled my pledge then and there because like, that is really worth that that's something that Alex Bloomberg hasn't mentioned and, and when Alex Bloomberg launched his plans there was that This American Life where he was talking about it I actually felt quite annoyed because he was saying I'm going to do this completely new thing no one's done before and I was like actually quite a lot of people have done that people have have yeah. networks and it just sounded a bit entitled I haven't listened to Startup but lots of people have told me it's really good but it's partly just I think I'll be a bit depressed listening to someone else making a, a much greater success of uh, podcasting uh, than, than I have done so far Um well, you know, I, I, what's interesting, no, well, first, congratulations, because how awesome is that? It's totally a dream. I'm so it's like, lucky. I'm so excited for you. I can't, so I can't uh, even, it, it's something to be said about jet lag. So people, that's your pitch. <laughs> that's how you do Get it. Get them while they're Just weak. Fly somebody across. Yeah. <laughs> Get them when they can't think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's so lovely that you set, you totally hit it right there. That's why I funded Radiotopia. That's why I'm choosing into it because of the fact that they are doing that with for new voices. You know, the new voices that are out there cultivating people's uh, genius, which I, I believe you're right. There's nobody that's doing that now in terms of the Alex Bloomberg thing. And you're right. Like now there's a point because I've been following startup as well. I'm getting to the point now where he is kind of funded um, already. They're moving into a different part of the uh, podcast. But I, I feel that you will find it very like especially the first three episodes were are going to be awesome mm -hmm. because he really sucks at it like, <laughs> meaning mean doing the startup aspect of it it's really real it's yeah. very much like he's got the conversation with the you know he's trying to sell it and he sucks 
he <laughs> is totally insecure with the, and he has conversations with his wife and she's like super awesome and totally straight up with him and he goes through a process of totally doubting himself naming the thing like there's so many different aspects of it that i just thought like this is riveting content those first three episodes i was like oh my god i love it <laughs> and then now it's a little bit more clean like there's there's no like i guess he's been funded and that kind of where's the jeopardy takes away yeah where's the plot <laughs> where's yeah. the drama and so i'm sure that there's going to be more drama. I'm sure there will be. But it just seems like it was so, like, right now I feel that it's like, oh, it's successful. Yeah. So I don't see the other part of it. But those you got to listen to those first three episodes because you will totally relate. Okay, and, good. And, in, and that, that's the kind of work that I kind of want to hear more about. Like, that kind of process, that kind of conversation, that it's that is not being captured. There's something so essential about the process of being human that I feel is missing from a lot of the work out there. And mm. I want that. It's it's what kept me, that's what really drew me to podcasting in the first place. And sadly, the podcasts that really changed my life are no longer being produced. Oh, no. I know, but I understand why. I mean, yeah. it, they were very unique. It's not like they were, they were hard to do, number one. Number two, it was very much... These podcasts were very uh, passion driven and voice driven, meaning like you had to, it's like there, ha there had to be a need to get behind the microphone. Yes. And if you don't have that need, then y you really should quit. And so I'm okay with them not producing anymore because that wasn't there anymore. Something changed. But it was the fact that they were going through, it was a human experience kind of thing that I don't feel is being seen out there as much. So I'm super, I'm so excited to um, hear that you're part of this. And it's, um, I'm so, so excited that this is happening. It's so, amazing. Um, it's amazing to, to yeah. see what, what could be done. I hope it's, I hope it's kind of the future of a lot of the way media is done, where the gatekeepers are just completely mm -hmm. bypassed. I hope it's not a blip like Tamagotchi or something like that. Um, I don't think it's a blip. I don't. I'm I'm tr I'm totally optimistic that it's not a blip. I think that it, it might change form, but I don't think it's a blip. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, I'll I'll feel a lot better Yay. about it then. But yeah, I, I, it's it's really comforting and um yeah, it, it, the scene changes a lot as well and so when we started uh, it, it seemed valid for just two nobodies to be making a comedy show, but now I think we would have to be a lot more niche. And have a lot more of a sharp yeah. selling point because there are so many more things out there. there. Are so many more professional people doing it, which is great because it directs people towards the medium. It raises the standards for the medium as a whole. Um, but there are things that people were doing in like 2004 or 2005 that I don't think people would begin doing now. And and I was at um, Radiotopia were running some workshops in October around the time when the Kickstarter was happening. Um, and I went over to, to see something. So I really wanted to see how these producers tick and what goes into their work. So it was fascinating. But there were about 15 people who'd paid to be uh, in this workshop for a week to learn. And they had some very good ideas for podcasts. But I was just conscious that they all felt like their podcast from the beginning had to be as good as 99% Invisible is now. And that's just mm. an impossible goal to set yourself and even professional people starting a new podcast it takes a while for it to find its feet i'm quite daunted by starting my new show because in previous shows i could make my mistakes and learn what the show was in relative privacy because there weren't that many people listening whereas this one i know that people will be listening and i'd quite like that uh, that 
lack of listenership just so the show could get better without them really knowing yeah. that it was a bit shaky to begin with because I can't be so arrogant as to assume that I'll be off to a flying start. Yeah, you're total, you hit that on the head there too because of the because you're right. You're you're right about if you're training for a marathon or if you want to be a you know a, an Olympic athlete, you don't just go read about it and get all the information in your head and have a plan and get your trainer and get your coach <laughs> and then you just go train and you're perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you can have the knowledge, but the only way to refine the output is by doing it and it's in that process that you're going to develop that so yes. you know you might luck out and just be like woohoo but but I think obviously it, the lovely thing is that you do have the audience there I'm so lucky from. yeah and so you're gonna oh I'm so happy for you oh Yay. thank you oh I feel so guilty for complaining awesome. now oh I didn't get a, a gold Porsche I got a silver one for Christmas um no. but uh, no it's 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 really outstanding to know that that can be a job um, but also, yes. it, I like uh, sharing what I've learned with people in case it helps them speed up. Because I think the most important thing is just to start and not think too hard about starting, but just get it done and get it out there and then make another one. Because people think so hard about their first show. I'm kind of thinking with my new show, what's the 20th show going to be like? Because it might be easy to do the first five. And then what if I'm out of ideas? You know, those kind of thoughts running through my head. But with people starting, I've, I've, I'm now running these um, these free meetups in London about once every three months so if people have got this idea kicking around they, they, they just don't know how to begin they can come along and talk to me about it or if they're doing one and they want to make it better or bigger or they need to learn how to monetize it we can just chat about it because I felt like I was podcasting in a vacuum for so long I didn't know any other podcasters and even now it may have been going for several years and some people have made a huge business out of it but everyone is just kind of improvising aren't they there's not a set route that is the correct route we're all just making it up as we go along uh, which is why it's exciting to me to to be able to connect with podcasters like you and and hear your shows and, and read articles about about what's happening behind the scenes because it is so new really and, and there's everything to play for but I just think like there are so many reasons not to do a podcast that if I can help people uh with just like very minor boring details they don't know whom to ask otherwise then then that's that's the least i can do really oh i love that i love that dream i think that's an awesome place to finish oh. <laughs> the positive <laughs> that's note. fantastic it's you wrapped it all up in a nice little bowl which is why exactly we're doing this she podcast that's why we have the group that's why we because i know because i know exactly what you're talking about especially it, it does feel at first that you're by yourself yeah and, it's lonely. and that's you know the community is has grown so much and and i feel i think if i had a dream about what i want from especially i guess the the female community in broadcasting is for us to get better at asking you know deeper questions yes. for us to get more refined in in what we ask um and and really getting the, the deeper layers instead instead of staying kind of like at that at the top level of just the, the what's the microphone or how do i do my social media marketing or how do i make money because i feel that th those things will reveal themselves if you just continue to step into the medium by doing so. yes doing is the most um, important and it sounds so obvious doesn't it but that yes, is what it holds does, people but back because it's terrifying yep it is it is well thank you so much thank helen you for, for having me um coming 
coming to say hi and 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 uh, do ladies give us your feedback if you do have any feedback you can email feedback at shepodcast.com or you could go onto the facebook group and have a conversation under uh this post because we're usually posted in the facebook group so you guys can just say hello to helen i love the facebook and, group and say hi. it's made me feel it's so, so much fun. better it's great i know i'm not so lonely so anymore oh my god yeah so thank you so much for coming and uh, we will talk to you maybe another I'd time love to. Yay. it'll be an honor Yay! Bye! 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 Bye!